Two weeks in a row, I win. <laughs> I really just want us to run into our seats. We, you know what we need is like, you know, the baseball game where they have up on the screen the hot dog and the drink and everybody, you know, having kind a of rate. cheers. Yeah. We need a graphics budget. For sure. Or you have like the, uh, the legends where the big heads of the uh, players run. I around. think it's reasonable. We could, we could do that. Welcome to Small Business Update Thursday. I'm John Freakin. I'm here with Adam Buck. We are talking about what's going on in the world, especially in light of COVID and especially how it affects the law. I know that sounds boring, but we got good stuff. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the stimulus package and where it sits. A little bit of optimism as we move through this week. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about the vaccine and whether or not the government schools and others can require it. We're going to talk about the shortlist for the Supreme Court of the United States and how that affects us here in Arizona because we got one. And of course, we are going to talk about sports. It's football. It's weird, isn't it? Just because I don't know <laughs> what's going on. It's like we're in the middle of basketball playoffs and it throws everything off. That's it's like you know rearranging Christmas and saying, okay, we're gonna have Christmas in March now. I mean, I grew up in Cleveland. If it isn't snowing, it's not football or Christmas. Ranked number nineteen on our thirty-two list. There's thirty-two NFL teams. Arizona Cardinals ranked twenty. Cleveland Browns. So it's a lock for us to meet in the Super Bowl. Um, DeAndre Hopkins gets the biggest deal that a non-quarterback has ever gotten. He got $54.5 million, $42.5 million is guaranteed, which uh, means, I guess, if you cut him, you save $12 million over two years. Um, and uh, I've got a really interesting stat on DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins has dropped just 17 of 1,037 targets during a seven-year career. Wow. I saw something that his hand size is like 10 inches or over 10 inches span. They're... Yep, you know what they say, big hands, big contracts. So DeAndre Hopkins, big contract for the Arizona Cardinals. I want to talk a little bit about like COVID in the NFL because they don't have a bubble, right? So like what's going to happen. So all the, the rules came out to today or yesterday or something. So I kind of have the rules. Um, first of all, there is going to be 55 players instead of 53. So I guess they have a little bit of flex for COVID. Um, and the practice squads are bigger. Um, that, however, is going to continue being bigger. You know, it was 10 players. It's going to be 12 for the next couple of years, then 14. Um, and so that's kind of nice, just in the sense that it gives more spaces to people. Do you, do you ever watch uh, Hard Knocks? You ever watch no, the No, I didn't. Uh -huh. yeah, it's, it's the show where they follow people in the preseason. And you fall in love with these guys who get cut. And so, in any case, more of them will make the team. Um, there's going to be COVID tests to players every day of the regular season except game day so a lot of testing going on and uh the, there's a special covid rule that if somebody needs to go on the covid list the reserve covid list you could always grab somebody off the practice got squad up to 90 minutes before kickoff um and uh you know this this covid list isn't like the injured reserve this year it's three weeks that you have to be on, on injured reserve um, in any case, this year, um, COVID people could always come back. Um, and if they need to cancel the season, 
basically you're guaranteed 300 grand if you made it onto a team. Um, it, so at least, uh, you know, if you're gonna cancel, they wanna get canceled early. That's a pretty good gig, right? That's not bad. Yeah. It's guaranteed work, don't work. Yeah, work, don't work. Um, tickets for week six, which appears, or week seven, which appears to be the first Cardinals game where there will be fans, which is in Dallas, going for about 12,500 on vivid seats. So if you want to get your, uh, get your tickets, Cardinals have announced that they are going to try to get fans in, but at least the first couple games, they will not. They start out on the road this, uh, this Sunday. So, um, so go Cardinals. We're going to prove to everybody we are not the 19th best team. We are number two to Cleveland. Sorry. <laughs> Cleveland's number one, huh? Cleveland's number one. That's, that's, where, I make, that's where I make my decision. Um, so a little bit of vaccine news. Um, AstraZeneca needed to stop their stage three testing. Uh, stage three testing tests approximately 30,000 people. One person in England kind of has an unknown illness and they're trying to figure out why and what. And I guess this is pretty standard operating procedure, but um, it could affect the possibility that AstraZeneca will be the first to get it approved. Um, there's a couple others in the, in the hopper. And how long they need to stop is really up to a panel of doctors in, in England, presumably at Oxford, where they uh, did most of the research for this. But in any case, um, they're working through that, but it brings us to vaccines. So, uh, so I'm going to turn it over to you, Adam. Talk a little bit about where we are with, uh, with our long history of requiring vaccines. Not suggesting we're going to. I'm just saying they probably will at some point. So let's figure out what the law is before everybody gets Whether or not it's legal. Yeah. All right, vaccination law. It's what everybody signed up for. This is exciting stuff. Um, our history of vaccines, we've been using it for over 200 years, started with the smallpox vaccine and um, vaccines have eradicated smallpox and largely eradicated polio. So we know they work. In the US, mandatory vaccination programs for public school students help to ensure that nearly universal coverage, that's how we take care of vaccinations in the United States. If you're going to school, you're getting vaccinated. So the question is, is government mandated vaccination constitutional? So the case before the United States Supreme Court was in 1905. And this was a law in Massachusetts that was requiring everybody to get the smallpox vaccination. So what was going on in 19, early 1900s in Massachusetts? Uh, there was a smallpox epidemic in uh, the state and in various cities. Uh, during the three-year period, there were 1,596 cases. Um, of those, nearly 300 people died. So there was a 17% fatality rate, which had everybody uh, worried about what was going on. So the state of Massachusetts said that uh, cities and towns had the ability to, um, whoops, there we go. Uh, to mandate vaccination if, in the town's opinion, it was necessary for the public health or safety. So sort of like, you know, today, these decisions are made at a local level. And of course, they had an exception for children 
who had health uh, conditions. So city of Cambridge, they came up with this law, all the inhabitants of the city who have not been successfully vaccinated since March 1, 1897, uh, that they be vaccinated or re-vaccinated. So this was a mandatory thing. So we had this guy that said, um, no, that's a violation of my constitutional rights. And he cited the 14th Amendment, uh, no state shall make or enforce any law abridging the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States. So he said, this is unconstitutional. You can't force me to do this. Um, said he invaded his rights to subject him to finer imprisonment because there was a $5 fine um, for not doing it or uh, imprisoning until you did it. Um, they said that compulsory vaccination law is unreasonable, arbitrary and oppressive and hostile to the inherent right of every free man to care for his own body. Um, and the execution of such a law against one who objects to vaccination, no matter for what reason, is nothing short of an assault upon his person. This guy was not happy. Uh, and it went to the US Supreme Court. The state, they argued that this is part of their police power, protecting the health and safety of its citizens. Um, and that they can enact quarantine laws and health laws. So back then, the Supreme Court so this court has more than once recognized it as a fundamental principle that persons and property are subjected to all kinds of restraints and burdens in order to secure the general comfort, health, and prosperity of the state. They're saying we always have um, incursions on our personal uh, health and, and comfort uh, for the good of everybody else. Um, and so this is the Jacobson v. Commonwealth of Massachusetts saying that they've, uh, they do this to prevent the, the spread of smallpox. Um, it's for the good of everybody. They're basically saying, look, we're not going to allow a couple of people who object to this to put at risk everybody else. So sorry, one person, minority, you're not allowed to, um, to, to say no to the vaccination. So the holding was that it is constitutional for the government to mandate uh, vaccination if it's in the best interest of the um, city or the town or the state. So then, so that was in 1905, then 1922, we started to have mandatory school vaccinations. And it became a requirement if you were gonna send your kid to school, they be vaccinated. And that was challenged in 1922 that was upheld to be constitutional as well. <clears throat> so now we have virtually all states require children to be vaccinated against certain communicable diseases as a condition for school attendance. So you can see here the vaccine exemptions. So although we have a requirement, different states have different reasons that you could possibly opt out of being vaccinated. So you can see the yellow states, there's only a medical exemption. So if you have a doctor that says it's harmful to your health, you can avoid it. The light blue ones, uh, medical and religious exemptions. So if you, for religious reasons, you can't have it, these states are okay with it. And then you've got the dark blue, medical, religious, and philosophical. 
So you just object because you don't like the idea of being forced to be vaccinated, which Arizona is uh, actually one of those states. So, so medical reasons, religious reasons, but philosophical, and is one of those philosophical reasons is I philosophically am too lazy to take my kid to the doctor. So, <laughs> yeah, it seems like it's pretty wide open. Yeah. When what's, you in, what's interesting is obviously, you know, California, not surprisingly, has a little bit uh, tougher restrictions, which, you know, we're all kind of used to. It's just a medical exemption only. Have, have you seen any challenges to the fact that people might have religious objections in, in, in California or, or not really? No, I, I didn't see any uh, case law about um, people that challenged uh, the, the vaccination based on their religious objections. Yeah. Um, but yeah, New York's in the same category, West Virginia. So a few of them. Well, well, you're missing the big, the big like outlier, which is Mississippi. Right. It's interesting, right? Cause you'd think Mississippi, but I assume it was one of those things at the point of impact, you know, is different than what they passed to get today. So I wouldn't be surprised to, uh, you know, if this, if this COVID vaccine falls into the, you could opt out, especially currently, current tone of the nation. Well, and you can see how all this is state specific. So the idea of having a federal mandate, I think is unlikely. This is just, they're leaving it up to states and then the states are leaving it up to the towns or the cities. Um, and they're trying to do this more on a local level depending on the needs because you know the the needs aren't exactly the same across the entire united states as right. we found out with covid although that seems to change every week yeah yeah so here here's the issue with some vaccinations you get complications occasionally and uh you have adverse events including anaphylaxis residual encephalopathy wow i think you nailed it well, I mean, maybe not quite good for a lawyer. Yeah. I'm glad we have a doctor on the call here that you can. Yeah, I'll fix that in minute 20. <laughs> Paralysis and death. So these are not, you know, minor things. So there are people that don't like the idea of vaccines because occasionally there are uh, consequences that uh, people didn't expect. So um, the manufacturer of these vaccines were facing large tort claims and they don't want to continue to make vaccines because they're like, well, this, it's too risky to do this. So we're not going to do it. And so Congress stepped up and passed the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Act of 1980, which basically means you can be compensated if you're injured from uh, a vaccine. And it uh, caps the damages for pain and suffering at 250000 now, the other interesting thing that I found out is we also have a countermeasures injury compensation program, commonly known as the CICP. This was created in 2010. And this was, you know, it says uh, occasionally a pandemic epidemic or security danger threatens our country to combat these threats. The government supports the development of countermeasures. So a countermeasure would be a vaccine. And so when a government is responding to a pandemic, there's going to be, you know, injury in theory, and they've created this fund to compensate people uh, for that. So the COVID vaccine, if you were injured because of it, would fall under this and you could seek uh, a claim 
uh, under the, the CICP. Uh, and the compensation can include unreimbursed medical expenses, lost employment income, and a survivor death benefit. So the big question is, will the COVID-19 vaccine be mandated at any level? Um, it appears that there is constitutional authority for uh, you know, uh, a city or Maricopa County or, or someone to say, yeah, we're gonna make this mandatory or maybe even mandate it in the schools. And say, this is a condition, you're sending your kid to school, you gotta, they have to have the, the vaccine. So I, I don't know if we'll get one of these. I think it would depend on how bad things got. If, if things kind of calm down and everybody voluntarily gets the vaccine and we're sort of where we are now, I don't know that the government would do that. But if we get heated up like we were in March and April and there's a crisis going on, it wouldn't surprise me if Governor Ducey or whoever steps in and says, look, this is for the good of everyone. We're all gonna have to get this uh, vaccine. So it'll be interesting to see once we have it, what happens with it. Yeah. Well, we're getting closer and closer, I guess, to the time that we'll have it, because we know that because it's election time. Um, government slated to shut down in 22 days. So, you know, like Nancy Pelosi and Steve Mnuchin, um, Treasury Secretary said, we're not shutting down the government. So I put the chances at 50-50. I mean, this is, this is like, uh, you know, the crazy time. We're in the last two months before a presidential election. Um, and with that being said, President Trump released his list of names, uh, 20 names of people he would put into the Supreme Court of the United States. So we got a few people. Ted Cruz made the list this time, despite the fact that just a few short years ago, they were rivals for the presidency and um, Trump was insulting Ted Cruz's wife. Um, and, and Senator Tom Cotton and Senator Josh Howley also made the list. Um, and so this was uh, announced at a press conference. Uh, Bridget Bade of Arizona, who's on the Court of Appeals, uh, was on there. Um, she, she practiced um, with Fred Bellamy. I don't know if you know Fred, but Fred is a leading technology lawyer in town and he's now Carpenter Hazelwood. Um, so anyway, so, so Bridget Bade, Judge Bade, I should say, was with um, his firm. And then uh, when they moved over to uh, Steptoe, she went with them. And, um, and she was also an assistant US attorney for years. She is uh, kind of looked to as, as you know, a conservative mind. Um, and she, uh, she was able to get, uh, she was able to get through the nomination process 7720. So uh, I'm sorry, 7821. So not a highly um, politi political appointee to her ninth circuit spot. Um, but of course, now she has, uh, she has reached the pinnacle by being on President Trump's list, which means not much, I suppose, unless uh, he wins and decides that he will follow in the footsteps of uh, President Reagan, who nominated somebody from Arizona, Sandra Day O'Connor. So we will see. Um, all right. We got uh, the, the, the stimulus, and that's what everybody wants to hear about. So let me kind of lay the groundwork here. Um, basically, the deal is that 
the Democrats and Republicans were apart with the Democrats saying they want $2.2 trillion. The Republicans had $1 trillion, okay? So to, to, today, there was kind of rumblings that $1.5 trillion will be agreeable to the White House. So we're kind of bridging that gap. Um, Chuck Schumer, who is the Democratic leader in the Senate, said that if the bill has, has more money in it, it could actually pass. So let me talk a little bit about what the Republicans proposed, um, which was a skinny bill, a smaller bill in the Senate this week. It has $258 billion for a new PPP program. Um, this basically is focused on businesses where there is a 35 percent or more decrease in gross receipts during the first, second quarter of this year. Okay, so these are really for companies that had to shut down or were really severely hit. They would be eligible under this program for more money. Now, it looks like if the Democrats and Republicans can get together, some version of this will be in the bill. So if you are the owner of a business that had a severe decrease um, in revenue or a total shutdown, you're gonna be eligible for another tranche of money. It will look exactly like the last tranche in the sense you do it through a bank, et cetera, the banks get paid to do it. There's also kind of easier, uh, it, it, by the way, up to $2 million, not 10, like the first time. Um, but the same kind of math um, and that could be very helpful, obviously, to these struggling businesses, especially restaurants, clubs, gyms, all these places that need to shut down. Um, but they are really looking back at the beginning of this year when everything was shut down to give that extra bit of money. Um, the companies that got $150,000 or less under the, under the first Paycheck Protection Program under the Senate bill would basically have a one-page form, basically attesting to things. Um, and then businesses who are between 150,000 and 2 million, which is kind of the rest of the bulk of our types of clients, um, those would need, have a, a slimmer amount of paperwork they need to do. In exchange, the banks would basically have to fill out almost no paperwork and rely solely on the representations of the borrower. So they don't even need to review anything. That's obviously very favorable to both banks and borrowers. I suspect, again, that is something that would be in a stimulus bill if the Democrats and Republicans agreed to it. The thing that we don't know about is the Senate bill has uh, liability protection for uh, employers and businesses. In other words, the employees can't sue and customers can't sue for COVID-related stuff that happens as a result of the activities of the business. The short version of that is that's opposed strongly by, by trial lawyers, by plaintiff's lawyers, and then also unions. It's not clear if the Democrats will agree to that. If so, to what extent? Because they basically don't want to let people off the hook because they didn't have sanitizer or other things at the office, right? To protect people from COVID or put up barriers. They don't want to have a bill that will basically let them off the hook. I don't know where that's going to come out if there is a package at all. But it does seem like even though this isn't in the Senate bill, there will in fact be some more money, probably again, $1,200 for people who received it before 
from the federal government, so direct help. So everybody can call their congressman or whatever to tell them that they think this is a good idea. It's tough because it's an election year. Otherwise, it would probably be passed. Um, so there you go. That's kind of your update. Um, so an idea that you and I have criticized as kind of not really exactly working exactly the way they wanted. They're going to go back to the trough if they pass anything at all. And free money Thursdays will be back in action and we'll have, we'll have hundreds of viewers once again because everybody loves themselves some free money. Do you want to talk about the surveys? Yeah, what do we have? You've been back to the gym. Have you been back to the gym? Uh, you work out at home. We've already no. Um, it turns out that, that about 40% of the people who've been back to the gym, uh, 13% said, excuse me, the gym is what exactly? So looks like we are, you know, still, still at, you know, an emerging number of people, but almost 60% of people have eaten inside a restaurant. So that's a growing number. You've been back to a movie theater. Now you went to the movies. Yes. Did you go again or just once? Just once. Uh, seven seven percent of people said I didn't know they were open. Turn, it turns out movie theaters are kind of a dying dog. Unfortunately, I feel like this is the thing we used to do every weekend when we were young, um, which dates us. It exactly dates us because uh, if you are you know under say forty years old, you probably didn't. Um, but but now that is less likely. Um, Trump, do you think Trump will win? re-election. This was a poll question for me to get a sense of who you were going to vote for. So I tricked you. Okay. It turned out that yes, and please, yes, were 27%. <laughs> and no, and please, no, were about, about 65% with the rest declining to answer. Um, Arizona will be a little bit closer, I think, than that with two to one, trying to get rid of Trump, at least in our survey. Um, but that also reflected in the next question, which is your prime, what is your primary source of news? Uh, CNN had a third of the respondents and, uh, and then the others, uh, that were, that were included, um, that were reasonably popular were NPR, which I thought was interesting because I don't think anybody listened to NPR anymore. <laughs> Apple, Twitter, and then Wall Street Journal had a bunch of responses, so. Um, Why didn't we have this, our podcast, our, our uh, webinar as the news source? That should be I, I took that to when they wrote down Apple. I assume they meant Apple Podcasts where you could find small business updates. Um, all right. So we've got, would you get a COVID vaccine if the government approved it? Here is where the wicked is sticky. Nationally, 21% in our survey, 22% say yes. Okay. So right now people are a little bit nervous about it. Um, about two thirds of the respondents aren't sure yet. So that total is most um, with only 15% of people saying no. Nationally, that number is a little bit higher. Um, getting a flu vaccine this year, 31% have already gotten it um, and 40% say they're going to. So about two thirds of our respondents are gonna get themselves a vaccine. How are you coming on the flu vaccine? Did you do this? No, I meant to do it over the weekend and didn't get around to it, but I'm in the next few days, I'm sure I'll get it. Yeah, it's kind of time. It's September. I got mine. Um, I had some soreness. Um, it turns out that I am eligible for up to $250,000 in compensation. Thank <laughs> you for pointing that out. I didn't even realize it before. And yes. uh, 
I guess that's where we are. So we survived another small business update Thursday. Um, as always, if you have questions for us, email us. Our information is in the comments below. Um, we are also going to have another survey. We know how much you love a good survey. Um, less than a minute to fill out. and gives me three minutes of content. What a deal. So if you can click below in the comments for that, that's great. If you are not on our weekly email list, you can also drop us an email and let us know to include you. Um, we send out to 8,000 people. That means if you're not on the list, you should be. Um, so thanks again. Have a great week, and we'll see you again next Thursday.